Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, guys, I've got, yes. a, I've got a fun would you rather question. We haven't, right. I feel like we haven't done one of these in a while. Um, so here's here's here it is. Would you rather eat a ketchup sandwich or a sriracha sandwich? Ew, ew. That, that sound effect was on. Point. I have some follow up questions, some qualifiers really? before you, I answer. Okay. What do you mean, really? Just, we all, we, you yeah, asked me if I want to eat a ketchup sandwich or a sriracha sandwich. No. What kind of bread? <laughs> Hmm. There's there's only two ingredients in this sandwich. You, 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 this is the, the place sauce where you get and to the modify bread. it is the bread. Sourdough bread. Oh wow! What? This just got wow. worse. Mm-hmm. I like I like some sourdough. If what, it's sourdough, I'm going ketchup because I can't imagine that sourdough and sriracha uh, is any good. Sourdough. <laughs> oh, that ruined things. But I okay. So I hate ketchup. I hate ketchup. Wow. Okay. Always. I'm not a big fan of ketchup either. And I love sriracha. So I feel like this is an obvious one. So sriracha and sourdough for so, you. <laughs> that's so gross. But yes, if I've got to do it, I've got to do it. What I keep imagining is, do, uh, do you remember the movie where Tom Hanks is stuck in an airport? Like his, it's like, uh, it's not Castaway, it's the one where he's stuck on an island. Uh, no, he's stuck wow, in an he's airport. Stuck a lot. Um, where, but he's stuck in an airport because his country disappears while he's in flight or whatever. Like it, it's like no longer a country, it's taken yes. over. So he has to eat whatever he can find for free in the airport, which is just like saltine crackers and like ketchup and mustard packets. And it's like, I, I, I feel viscerally like, is this an old movie I, or a new movie? Uh, it's like probably no, 20 it's years old. old. Huh. Yeah. Never yeah. I forget it. the name of it, but I know what he's talking about. Interesting. Well, I think you've got the, so with you, the, the ketchup, you've got the sourness of the bread and the sourness of the ketchup. So do you know what's in sourdough bread to make it sourdough? No, I, I don't know. Vinegar. Hmm. Oh. Interesting. So I, I don't want to mix vinegar in my sourdough bread with sriracha. sriracha. That just yeah. does not sound right. Yeah, that makes so sense. what would you do, Nikki? Uh, I would do sourdough and ketchup. Yeah, I would be right there with sourdough. you. Sourdough. Why did we mess it up with sourdough? I love I sourdough. No, it's Nikki's game. We <laughs> give her complete control of the podcast, and that's what she does. She I, has us eating sourdough bread with I ketchup. It. I love it. All right. Well, thanks for playing along. Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? We are in Job chapter 31. So let me give you some context here as you find it. Uh, the story of Job is the one, a story of a man who is suffering, even though he is innocent, and the wrestling that goes along with what happens when someone is experiencing these painful, difficult things and they don't have an explanation why? And so for the entire book, we have been keeping track of a conversation between Job and a handful of friends who are there uh, theoretically trying to comfort him or advise him, but they are essentially saying to him, Job, you've done something wrong. Obviously, God is punishing you. If you hadn't done something wrong, God wouldn't be doing this to you because good people get blessed and bad people get punished and you're clearly being, you know, you're, you're being punished. So figure out what you did or or pretend like you know what you did and say sorry to God. And Job keeps insisting. He's saying, I do not know what I have done. So if I am in trouble, I don't know 
why I would be. And he keeps insisting I am innocent. So when we get to chapter 31, it's sort of the culmination of all of this. The friends have had their say. Job has said, enough's enough. I'm tired of listening to you. And Job gives one last speech. It's almost like the closing arguments for a lawyer saying I'm innocent. And so we're going to read here. We're going to kind of be picking up in the middle of the speech. It's several chapters long where Job is describing the kind of life he lived to say, God, if I did something wrong, I don't know what it is because look at how I lived my life. And so we're going to start uh, in verse one. All right, buckle in everybody because Clayton has me reading the entire chapter, 40 verses. Here we go. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. For what is our lot from God above, our heritage from the almighty on high? Is it not ruin for the wicked, disaster for those who do wrong? Does he not see my ways and count my every step? If I have walked with falsehood or my foot has hurried after deceit, let God weigh me in honest scales and he will know that I am blameless. If my steps have turned from the path, if my heart has been led by my eyes or if my hands have been defiled, then may others eat what I have sown and may my crops be uprooted. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I've lurked at my neighbor's door, then may my wife grind another man's grain, and may other men sleep with her. For that would have been wicked, a sin to be judged. It is a fire that burns to destruction. It would have uprooted my harvest. If I have denied justice to any of my servants, whether male or female, when they they had a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? If I've denied the desires of the poor or, or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the fatherless, but from my youth I reared them as a father would, and from my birth I guided the widow, if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing or the needy without garments, and their hearts did not bless me for warming them with the fleece from my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I had influence in court, then let my arm fall from the shoulder, let it be broken off at the joint. For I dreaded destruction from God." And for fear of his splendor, I could not do such things. If I've put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had gained. If I had regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage. Then these also would be sins to be judged for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. If I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to him, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by invoking a curse against their life. If those of my household have never said, who has been filled with Job's meat, but no stranger had to spend the night in the street, for my door was always open to the traveler. If I have concealed my sin as people do by hiding my guilt in my heart, because I so feared the crowd and so dreaded the contempt of the clans that I kept silent and would not go outside. Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sign now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Surely I would wear it on my shoulder. I would put it on like a crown. I would give him an account of my every step. I would present it to him as to a ruler. If my land cries out against me, 
and all its furrows are wet with tears. If I have devoured its yield without payment or broken the spirit of its tenants, then let briars come up instead of wheat and stinkweed instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. All right, let's make some observations from this passage. What do you guys see here? Uh, The first thing that I saw was in verse one, I thought it was kind of weird that he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. It was, it's like, I just kind of thought to myself, like, eyes don't, don't, you know what I mean? Like, all right, eyes, this is how this is going to work. But, um, and I guess I just thought of that because like, usually when I think of like the term of a covenant, like it's between like the covenant between God and Abraham. Like it was God talking to Abraham and Abraham, like responding to what God was saying. But, and like, it's like, was Job talking to his eyes? No, obviously not. But I just thought that was phrased weird. Um, and then this also, this, this, um, if I have, if I have, if I have, like that, you can't miss that repeating phrase. Essentially, he's saying, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't done any of those things. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, there's the assumption, like the whole premise underneath it is, you're not going to catch me on any of these things. Like the 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 if is not, uh, it could go either way. Maybe I'll find out that I'm one of these these sorts of people. Uh, it's a it's a confident kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the general logic is if I would have done these things, then I would have deserved what came to me. But I haven't done any of these things, so I don't deserve all of this suffering that I'm that I'm going through. Uh, I f- I found it interesting as I was reading that there is a essentially a list here. Yeah. So if I if I had a piece of paper next to me and I started writing these things down. <laughs> Oh, I haven't done this before. What? I'm interrupting myself for the (laughs) comma tip of the week. When you take time to write stuff down when you're reading the Bible, it crystallizes your takeaways from God's word. So grab yourself a blank notebook or use your notes app or go to the church bookstore here at Christ Community Church and pick yourself up a blank Bible savvy journal. Because when you actually take the time to write things down, whether it's things you're seeing or the message or your application, just makes it a little bit more real, crystallizes it in your mind. And this has been your comma tip of the week. <laughs> so if I, if while I'm reading this, if I started writing down all of the things that Job considers righteous or unrighteous, you have a, you have a pretty good list of morality. Yeah. And when, when I was noting that, I noticed the range of things that, that are there. So sometimes we uh, sort of have our, our pet things that we are most concerned about, you know, the, the kind of rules or the, the guidelines that we think are most important, but he covers a whole range of things. I mean, he starts off talking about lust. He talks about lying. He talks about, uh, you know, adultery, but then he goes on to uh, talk about, you know, not uh, doing injustice, you know what I mean? Paying his uh, people well. And if he sees someone who's in need, taking care of them. And uh, then he talks about idolatry. So he like covers the whole range of things. Um, part of that is Job trying to be comprehensive saying, look, whatever angle you're coming at me at, like I'm, I'm, I'm covered. Like I, I didn't go for those things. Uh, but it also it does paint that kind of well-rounded picture of what does it look like to be righteous? Yeah, when I look at verse 23, he says, for I dreaded destruction from God and for fear of his splendor, I could not do such things. And I, I thought to myself, like, um, 
his his motivation between walking in a holy like holy you know what i mean walking in the way that god would want him to walk walk is he didn't want to obviously he does not want to have this come he doesn't want to have these conversations with people he doesn't want to feel that guilt of like oh i sinned and now i have to confess it but it's i think a lot of people have this mindset of like well god will punish me if i sin so obviously i'm just gonna not sin because i don't want to have like the physical punishment consequence of my sin so i'm just gonna do what's right even if i don't really like it i'm just gonna do it right and then there's this other side of how could i even think to do it because i have this relationship with god and i desire to walk with him faithfully i can't even have in my mind the idea to sin so it's the people who are like well i don't want to I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm just not going to do anything bad. And then there's some people like, I can't even think about doing anything bad because h- how could I even do that? Like, does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it it sounds to me like a good, better, best scenario. So you would say it's good if someone acknowledges that there's a God mm-hmm. and that he has the right to judge. He decides what's right and wrong. And there is a God who does actually judge and punish wrongdoing. And I don't want to get in trouble with that God. Right. So I'm going to do my best to do good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. What's better is if you love the God that created you and deep down in your heart, like, I don't ever want to do anything to offend my God. I love my God. Right. And then when you put Jesus in the equation, Jesus is the one that sacrifices life for me. So now my motivations are changing because you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's changing me from the inside out. Right? So now like, I have a motivation that I want to do good, not because I'm afraid of punishment, because I actually want to live my life the way it was created to be lived. Yeah. So it's like good, better, best, yeah. right? Yeah. So I actually would go the, go the other way as I'm reading this and you have God, uh, Job who's thinking, there's a God. And it's, it's almost like a baked in assumption it seems like in in Job is of course God gets to decide what's right and wrong and of course he would be judging and punishing wrongdoing i'm not so sure that a lot of us are walking around these days even thinking that thought that i answered a yeah you you're telling me that i answered to some cosmic entity in the sky and he's going to come get me if i do something wrong i don't even think people are thinking those thoughts yeah the part of the part of the breakdown in Job is that the assumption doesn't seem to be consistent, right? Like so, like Job and his friends are saying, "All right, there's a God. He makes the rules, and he brings consequences for wrongdoing." But then it seems like Job is getting consequences, but without the wrongdoing. And so when that that's where the breakdown comes, because he's saying, "Job's like, I played, but I played the game." Like I I I I bought into this, and I still buy into it. He's still saying, "Like I think God." punishes wrongdoing, but this doesn't seem to fit. Like it doesn't, like if that's the only way that suffering comes into someone's life, then how are you going to account for my life? Cause look at it, look at my life. I, I didn't do any of the things that should have merited this stuff. Um, when I look at the, when I look at the, uh, pictures here, um, one of the things I notice is that, um, and this is kind of a, a challenge to like what people assume, um, this is an Old Testament book. And a lot of times we think, you know, here's what the Old Testament was. It was um, kind of superficial obedience just from an external law, um, but it wasn't really from the heart. And, but when, you know, New Testament comes, Holy Spirit's in us, it starts to come from the heart. Um, but when you look at what Job is describing, he he's not just saying, well, I checked all the boxes. Like he, he even like, um, uh, for one example, 
verse 24, he says, if I had put my trust in gold and said to pure gold, you are my security. So he, he isn't just saying, Hey, I gave, I gave what I was supposed to give and use my money, you know, for good things. He's saying, I, my heart didn't even trust in my gold to be my provision, which is, which is kind of what we, we, you know, you hear Jesus talk about, like, don't put your hope in riches and, and, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also that those things. Um, Job is saying, that's what I did. I tried to, I tried to put my hope in the right things um, and care about the right kind of stuff. I like even the, the stuff where he talks about um, the caring for people who are in need. Like there's a sense that there's a genuine like concern for someone who's an orphan or someone who's a widow or those sorts of things uh, that he really, he really took it in. What other observations do you guys have? Yeah, the, the other thing that I saw is there's a very clear, um, he has a very clear understanding of all of the ways that he himself has avoided sinning personally. Um, but then I love to see the way that he kind of lays out the fact that, um, hey, I, I, didn't even, I, did, I didn't even seek to harm anybody else. You get what I'm saying? Like I, I compassionately had care and concern for other people. So it wasn't just about me. I didn't just care about myself. I cared about all these people that were in my circle of influence. And I think uh, a lot of times we can kind of get in that mindset of like a very individualistic approach. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, it's, it's about me. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to make sure that I'm walking right with God and I'm going to do my thing. But I guess that's that community aspect that I always go to, right? Like Eric is like, how do I make sure that I'm taking care of the people that are around me too? And how do I influence the people that are around me? How do I show my righteous lifestyle? And how do I actually lift up the people that are around me and show my care and my concern for them as well? Yeah, I think the word that's in my in my mind as you're sharing that and I'm, I'm looking at this text is intentionality. It seems yeah. like Job was living a very intentional yep. kind of life. Yeah. He well, was we, the same person privately that he was publicly. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you notice the one, uh, there's a verse 29. It says, if I've rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to him, um, like he, and he continues in that line, like even the love your enemies thing, you yeah. know, that's that's straight up Jesus. Like he said, he like went to that extent to say, I like, I am going to, not look at people, other people who I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, I, I ought to be glad, you know, like they were, they were, they opposed me, but they got what's coming to them. He's like, I won't even, I don't even gloat over that. I won't like get, you know, kind of uh, satisfaction that they got what's coming to them. Like he was like, there was a humility to that and a, and a deliberate like pursuit of saying, no, I really, I want to be this kind of person. And of course, at the beginning of the book, like the narrator, like God, and they like just declares, no, he actually is righteous. So it's legit. Like when Job says this, his friends may question him, but we know from the very beginning, no, it was actually legit. He really was this sort of person. Nikki, did you hear Clayton just make another t-shirt for us? What? Did you, hear what he, did you hear what he said? Which one? What said, one? that's straight up Jesus. Oh, that's straight up Jesus. <laughs> we, did, we just made another t-shirt. Have, have we made any of the t-shirts we said we would make? No, no. We, just, we just make them up in our I, minds. Yeah. There's, a whole, there's a whole t-shirt store somewhere with all of these. That's true. In, hypo, I mean, in hypothetical land. I mean, that could be a really good one to put in the new resource bookstore. That's straight up Jesus. Look at that. Are you pondering it, Eric? No. <laughs> it's like, I came to a crashing halt. They're both looking at me, waiting for me to say something. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. 
All right, let's let's move on to the M, one of the M's in comma, um, and uh, let's let's do this. Um, let's let's do meditation, and uh, in some ways, this is a counterintuitive meditation because Job is declaring his innocence. Uh, but I don't know about you, but as I read through this, I think I wish I could claim like Job has that I have never done anything these things that I'm not I'm innocent of injustice and 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 so on um but it's not true and so I I do think that for us to look at some of these things as a mirror and say uh where where is it that I do need to actually uh confess to God and say yeah, if I've done these things, I, I ought to be punished and then plead the mercy of God. So here's what we're going to do for meditation. Uh, we're going to give you 45 seconds. Um, and, and again, this is one of those ones where you may need to pause and spend a little bit more time doing this. You might want to grab onto one of the things that stood out to you or read through it again and say, God, this is one of those areas uh, where I need to confess my sin. So take some time to meditate. All right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. What message do you guys get out of this passage? My message today is right is always right and wrong is always wrong. And, and, here's, and here's how I get there. Not only do the categories of morality and righteousness listed by Job here, not only do they stand the test of time in terms of the fact that they were right or wrong way back then and they are still right or wrong today, but my mind also goes to the fact that people in every culture across the globe read, read these words. And this makes sense in their culture. It's not just an American culture thing or a Brazilian culture or a Mexican culture. There is objective truth. There is because it's from God's mind. There are things that are always right and always wrong in every culture. Uh, my message is to uh, live your life with godly intention. I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm going to save the rest of it from application. Oh. I always go into my application. <laughs> Done. Wow, the self-restraint. Wow. So good, Nikki. So live good. Live your life with godly intention. Period. Go ahead. <laughs> she can't do it. Uh, my message is this. Um, be quick to own your sin, but don't don't hold on to false guilt. So... Job does this thing where he says, look, if I had done these things, I would embrace the consequences as just. Not that he would like the consequences, but he would say, that would be right. If I got, if I got what came to me, then I would say, God, you did the right thing. Um, so he's, he is, he's taking a posture where he's saying, I'm going to be quick to admit. Um, there, there is even actually one part where he's like, if I, if I had hidden my sin, you know what I mean? If I had, if I had you know, covered it up, um, he's, just, he's taking this posture of saying, you know what? If I've done something wrong... I'll, I'll own up and I'll take the consequences. Uh, and yet he's also being honest and saying, just because there's pressure or, you know, it seems to make sense that I would sort of take on the guilt of something that maybe I didn't really do. Um, and, and that, that false guilt, um, God doesn't want us to have false guilt. 
he wants us to own up to real things. He he convicts us. Um, there sometimes you'll hear people talk about how you tell the difference between um, true and false guilt, and uh, the true guilt is usually focused on particular things where where God by His Spirit says, "All right, this is what you've done, and you know it." It's there's some clarity to that. Um, there's a false guilt that's sort of a generalized. I feel like maybe I've done something wrong or whatever, and when you search it out, it's just sort of uh, broad shame and guilt, um, and that usually comes from the enemy. And so uh, there's something really healthy about saying, "I'll own what I need to own, uh, but I'm not going to let false guilt stick to me." Yeah. So I've heard people say, "True guilt would say you lied." False guilt would be you are a liar. Like the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. F- false guilt or the whisperings of the enemy condemn you and ne- and don't give you a way out. Right. So one is, hey, you you lied. You should repent of that. The other is, you are a liar and you're always going to be a liar. Hmm. All right. Let's talk about application here. The the A and comma. What do we do in response to what we got out of the passage? Uh, for me, okay, I, I get to do my application right. now. Here we go. Okay, so if I'm doing the live your life with a godly intention, for me, um, I think of if I wake up every day and I have this godly intention to be the same person that I am privately with my relationship with God that I am publicly, um, then I am going to look for every opportunity to not only grow myself in my relationship with Christ, but I'm also going to do everything that I can to help other people grow in their relationship with Christ or to make him known. And so I think of um, the thing that we did this past uh, week with the staff where we learned the three open prayer that Pastor Jim taught, right? So praying for an open door, open mouth, and open heart. And just being aware that there are people that we're going to run into in our day-to-day lives, whether people we know or people that we don't know. Um, And we might have every opportunity to say something that's going to encourage them or bring up a conversation about about Jesus or uh, to invite them to church or something like that. So to me, it's, it's not just about me. It's not just about me growing privately in my, my walk with God, but also publicly and having a godly intention in everything I say and do. My application is based on my message. So my message being right is always right and wrong is always wrong. And so my application is don't spin your sin. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we have a way of kind of softening what we do, talking about it in ways that aren't quite as bad as they really are. And it's just a much better approach to just call things what they are. If you did it, you did it. Just say it, repent from it, move on, right? So... Uh, don't don't spin your sin. Take some time. Take an inventory. Are you are you spinning anything going on? I'm talking to myself right now, Eric. Are you spinning anything that's going on in your life that you just need to call it what it is? Also, another T-shirt. Don't spin. Don't, your don't sin. spin your sin. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, my application I, I, is is in a similar vein. So if you're if we're talking about being quick to own your sin but not letting false guilt stick. Um, there's something about saying, all right, I'm going to do that that work of saying, all right, what do I need to confess? But then there is something, um, it's almost a discipline to say, once that's been confessed, I, I'm going to believe that that Christ has forgiven me and that I don't need to walk with that hanging over my head anymore. Now, sometimes it takes our emotions a little bit to catch up, but there is a certain kind of like uh, deliberate choice to say, and from here on out, I'm not going to let that hang over me. And the same thing with things that, um, either the enemy or someone else is accusing us of that we we've done the honest work of saying 
did I do these things? Is this really true? And then when we realize, no, it's not actually true, to say, no, I'm going to walk forward with some confidence. Um, and, and there is a uh, freedom that comes from that, a, a, a certain kind of uh, going into the world with uh, with uh, things cleared out. You know what I mean? Um, not, not like these kind of hanging things that you've got to deal with because you've confessed, you've dealt with them, and you don't let the false ones stick. All right. Well, that's all that we have for you this week, friends. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.